Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports today here on Sports Grid for this July 1st, 2021. Craig Mish along with Davis Maddock. We got two hours of fantasy sports talk for you every day from noon to 2 Eastern. Although here on tomorrow's show, we've got a special edition of the program, which will be our 2021 season win total special in the NFL, courtesy of FanDuel. So make sure you check out that show. It will be noon to 2 Eastern tomorrow. And it will be a lot of fun. Davis and I go through team by team, total by total, and also give you an edge on some of the odds to win the NFL MVP as well as Rookie of the Year. So let's get started with our headlines here at the top of the hour here on this 1st of July. We've got afternoon baseball starting right now, so we'll update that for you as we go. Hawks and Bucks play game five tonight, and the game is in Milwaukee, and the Bucks are two-point favorites on FanDuel. College athletes can make money off their name image, and likeness starting today. All NFL teams approved for full crowds at home games. So that's good news there. And also, for those of you who are unfamiliar, today, July 1st, every year, is Bobby Bonilla Day, where he gets his check from the Mets over a million dollars every single day until, I believe it is 2035, Davis, because uh, the Mets thought it was a really good idea to defer all of the money that Bobby Bonilla was going to get paid. And because of that, Bobby Bonilla uh, ends up getting a million dollar check every day. And that is today. Yeah, big, uh, big Bobby Bonilla day. Though uh, you would probably know the specifics of this a little bit better than me, but wasn't this actually a financially advantageous deal for the Mets? Like, didn't they actually save millions of dollars of interest? over the course of, uh, what is it, at 25 years, 30 years for the Bobby Bonilla deal? Like, I, I believe, uh, you probably know Michael Salfino. Uh, I saw him tweeting about this today that the Mets were able to borrow the money to pay Bobby Bonilla at a lower rate than what they were paying him in terms of like how it dripped out. So like it's, it's painted as this like big, oh, LOL Mets. They don't know what they're doing. Brett, Brett might know the answer to this, but that actually they saved money by deferring his contract that way. Yeah, I, I, I was not aware of that. I thought this all had to do with uh, borrowing the money from Bernard Madoff and him being involved in it. And that's kind of how this whole thing developed. But maybe I'm wrong about that. If that is indeed true that they ended up saving money, then so be it. But Needless to say, it is bizarre that a guy could get paid over a million dollars and cash in on that continually. Also did a bunch of, I don't know if you saw this, David, a bunch of commercials today. Uh, he did one, uh, Bobby Bonilla, for a, a phone company where he says that, you know, I guess you could get paid, you could pay the phone company a hundred bucks for your cell phone for the, the next whatever years to get to 2035. Funny stuff, nonetheless, but we'll talk about that a little bit more coming up on Fantasy or Reality. Also, big story of the day is Chris Paul, future Hall of Famer who, of course, went through Los Angeles, inevitably, to get to the NBA Finals. But once upon a time, Chris Paul played for the Los Angeles Clippers for a handful of years and went out of his way to discuss a lot of the people that supported him while he was playing in the City of Angels. I told you, Billy Crystal and his wife, uh, Hernandez family, uh, Iger, you know what I mean? Like, I played six years here, you know, and a lot of these fans became my family. So, uh Willie, um, he talks to me about AI all the time, who AI is obviously a hero of mine and texts me after every game. 
AI texts me after every game. And so um, <clears throat> Willie just said, you know, if I could do it all over again when I left. Um, and I said, yeah, because I learned a lot of stuff along the way. You know, and this is like a story book for this part, you know, getting somewhere that I've never been before, going against a team that I'll always be connected to. Really great story, I think, Dave, is having Chris Paul play in the finals. And at least the NBA has that going for them. But in terms of Phoenix, if you are a fan of the Phoenix Suns, Davis, who are you rooting for to play against in the NBA finals? Meaning that who do you think the Suns match up best against at this point? I mean, you want the Atlanta Hawks. You would you want uh, you want the Atlanta Hawks to get through with Trey Young playing in their series, but his ankle getting steadily worse. Like that, I mean, like, look, that that sounds horrible and that sounds mean. But that's like what the world of sports fandom is. Like you don't get bonus points for beating a heart. Like you know uh, that the Cleveland Cavaliers championship where they they came down against the Warriors and it was so amazing and the LeBron had the block and yada yada. I mean, at the end of the day, that was amazing. One of the best finals ever. But the Cleveland Cavaliers would have appreciated that championship just as much if they would have swept over them with Steph Curry and Kevin Durant and Klay Thompson all injured. They would have appreciated it just the same way because what you want, I mean, you want great games, like just as a person who's a fan of sport in general, but you want your team to win. So if you're the Suns, you want the Hawks to win, but then you want Trey Young's foot injury to get worse so that he is either limited or not able to play in the finals. And that sounds mean and that sounds harsh, <laughs> but that is just the reality of the situation, Craig. Yep, zero-sum game in sports, that's for sure. All right, coming up next, it's time for us to take a preview of our uh, upcoming series here for Fantasy Football. We're closing in on the end of going through every single team here in the months of June and July, and then, of course, training camp opens up in a couple of weeks in the NFL. But it is the perplexing story of the Seattle Seahawks. Russell Wilson, the favorite to win the NFL MVP in September and October, and you could not play Russell Wilson in your fantasy playoffs at the end of the season. What in the world happened? And will they get back to doing what they did in the first half of the season last year? We'll ask Davis that question next. Also, where should you be taking DK Metcalf in upcoming fantasy drafts? All those questions and more coming up next. Pat Corain also will join us to talk a little fantasy football. Then we got some fantasy reality. So stay with us on the grid. We're back in just two minutes. Don't go away. The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.
Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today, our continual look at the 2021 fantasy football season, which is fast approaching. And today we take a look at the Seattle Seahawks, a really interesting club, of course, going into 2021 and really a pivotal year, Davis, when it comes to the quarterback and the coach. Because as we know, in the offseason, there was a lot of talk as to whether or not Russell Wilson would be back in Seattle He went through an unbelievable six or eight game stretch where if you went to FanDuel and tried to bet him to win the MVP, you weren't even getting good odds. I rarely see a player fall off as fast and as downward as Russell Wilson did in the second half of the season. Dare I say, you couldn't even play him at quarterback in fantasy football the last few weeks. Yeah, you you really couldn't. And, uh, you know, knowing what we know now, we see that it was kind of an internal schism between Pete Carroll and then then offensive coordinator Brian Schottenheimer, ownership, and Russell Wilson. And basically what it's like in Seattle is Pete Carroll just wants to run the football. He he comes from kind of that old school Bill Walsh way of viewing the offense. He has this magic number theory. Um, I believe the number is 45, that if you get to 45 rushes plus pass attempts, like that's the magic number to win football games. And I think Russell Wilson doesn't like that. I think Russell Wilson would like to get MVP votes. He would like to huck the ball up to DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett like he was doing in the first half of the 2020 season. And uh, yeah, I, I am excited to see how things work without Brian Schottenheimer there. All right. Well, uh, Wilson certainly will have his complement of wide receivers, and we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, but in terms of where you're drafting Wilson, where is he factoring in right now in the best ball format? So he kind of is the last of the premium tier of quarterbacks, goes right around in the seventh round. So he goes after, you know, Mahomes and Josh Allen, Kyler, Dak, Lamar. And then it's kind of him or Justin Herbert there in the seventh round. It's kind of a coin flip between those two. So I still feel like he's got tremendous ceiling there. We know Russ runs a little bit. Of course, there is a chance the new offensive coordinator, Shane Waldron, who learned under Sean McVay in Los Angeles. You know, we know he is a great play caller. He created fantasy value from Jared Goff. I am I am very open to Russell Wilson having huge upside heading into 2020, 2021. Okay. okay. And now let's uh, talk a little running back, because if Pete Carroll is going to use the running backs, so we've got to figure out how that's going to work. And what's interesting, Davis, is that Seattle went through probably four or five years with a running back one on your fantasy football team. But it has not been that way over the last couple, counting on guys like Chris Carson, haven't really been all that optimal. We've seen other players kind of move in and move out. Which way does Seattle go, and who is the primary ball carrier this year? So Chris Carson has been their lead rusher for each of the last three seasons, but he has also been injured each of the last three seasons, which is kind of the problem with him, he ran for 1,200 yards in 2019, 1,100 yards in 2018, has never been hugely involved as a pass catcher. Weirdly, he's also scored exactly nine touchdowns in each of the last three seasons. But the thing is, is Carson has just been okay. And that's the thing. It's a car- he never has blown you away, even despite how much the team has wanted to run the ball. I do think this season, it kind of looks like it's going to be hard for him to fail because the the back the, the depth chart behind him is not great. Rashad Penny is going to be the primary second running back. However, we know that the team chose not to pick up his fifth-year option. And Rashad Penny has already, he's already, Craig, had to have a knee surgery. He's already had to have a cleanup on his knee this offseason. Then they have 
DJ Dallas, who played last season, did not play very well. He was fine. They have Travis Homer, who's been on the team for multiple years now. The team has no plans to use him as a lead back. He's mostly a special teams guy. They also brought Alex Collins, who I thought was retired, (laughs) back onto the team. He's still technically on the roster, then fullback Nick Bloor. So you look at that depth chart and you go, who's taking away touches from Chris Carson? Who is getting Chris Carson off the field? I don't really see it. Chris Carson goes in the fourth round right now. We don't love to take running backs in that range. You know, all the wide receivers that go there are probably going to score more points than Chris Carson. But if you're needing a running back in these best ball drafts in the fourth round, I do think Chris Carson is about the safest 1,100 yards and eight touchdowns you're going to find at the position. Yeah, I think, look, I I was really high on Carson the last couple of years, and injuries really hurt me. I remember when Seattle was running guys like Thomas Rawls out there. I mean, Carroll does not care. He'll find someone to give his 2025 touches to. But the bottom line is last year we uh, basically learned of a superstar. I would love to know who the DK Metcalf is this year from you, Davis, in fantasy football, because fortunately that's a guy that I was in on last year, so he sort of made my fantasy football season uh, everyone knows who DK is now. He's doing commercials. He's arguably, what, top three wide receiver, maybe number one in all of fantasy football, depending on how you look at it. Tyler Lockett, very good as well. But honestly, as good as Metcalf was, another player who Russ didn't really throw the ball all that much to in the second half of the season because they decided to run. So hopefully that changes. Yeah, they they really did decide to run. However, you know, the market right now, Craig, is really telling us that they believe that DK Metcalf is a superstar and that Tyler Lockett is going to be the secondary contributing player. Um, You know, over that second half of the season, it was DK Metcalf who maintained his fantasy value while Lockett, I mean, Lockett had the explosion games. You know, he had multiple three touchdown games. But even when Russell Wilson's overall throwing volume fell, You know, we had DK Metcalf with 10 receptions and 177 yards against Philadelphia, scores the touchdown against the New York Jets in that huge blowout game, uh, was massive in their playoff game that they ended up losing to the Rams, 11 targets, 96 yards, and two touchdowns. Now, you have to pay absolutely full price. Metcalf is going in the middle of the second round right now. I think it's justified. I think you can feel very comfortable taking him there. However, in a weird way, I kind of like... Metcalf more in leagues where I have to set the lineup, right? Where I just am knowing every single week I'm locking up eight targets and he's like 50-50 to score a touchdown. I prefer to take Tyler Lockett in the best ball drafts. He's targeted a little bit deeper down the field. He has a less consistent role week to week because the Seahawks are just not going to throw that much anymore. Uh, Probably the most interesting thing about their offense, though, is the addition of Dwayne Eskridge. The Seahawks drafted him in the second round, 56th overall. He played at Western Michigan. He never had a 1,000-yard season. And, Craig, he is coming into the NFL at the age of 24. Is he any good? Is Dwayne Eskridge good? I don't know because you watch his college film, and uh, it's kind of like Trey Lance. Like, he literally looks like he's playing a different sport. Like, he is so much bigger. He is so much faster and so much more dominant than everyone that he was playing against. I just really don't know. Yeah, that's a really interesting name. I I am not familiar with it, but I can tell you that knowing Seattle's offense through the years, there's a streamer at wide receiver three for you. There always is. uh, You know, back when they had Baldwin and and a couple of other guys, and then I think David Moore is the name I'm thinking of, where that guy would just be catching touchdowns in the back of the end end zone. So that's an interesting name to keep an eye on this draft season. 
Uh, look, tight end has is, is not been smooth for Seattle, but Russ does love to throw to the tight end. So how is it looking this year? So they signed Gerald Everett in free agency away from the Los Angeles Rams. And, you know, there's been random Seahawks tight ends who've been decent for fantasy. Will Disley had that great run. We've seen Jacob Hollister before. Greg Olson was on the team last year. But they haven't really had an answer at the tight end position. I think Gerald Everett might be the answer. I actually think he is a really good player. I think he was a little bit... Um, you know, I think he was a little bit underrated in that Los Angeles Rams offense. I think they underused him a little bit. He's a good blocker, which we know Pete Carroll is going to love. That's definitely going to earn him some playing time with Pete Carroll. And, and Gerald Everett, 14th, 15th round, you do not have to pay through the nose for him. So I, I think that we should feel pretty confident about Gerald Everett. All right. Well, that's our look at the Seattle Seahawks in 2021. I think another compelling club, I'm always in on some of their offensive players, but as somebody that started off the fantasy football season great last year and faded down the stretch, you can guess I had a couple of those Seahawks in 2020. All right. We'll take a quick time out here on Fantasy Sports Today, but plenty more to come here on the show as we continue on right here on SportsGrid and SportsGrid.com. I'm Craig Mish along with Davis Maddock. This is FST. And we're back in just two minutes, so make sure you stay on the grid. Don't go away. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today here on Sports Grid TV. I am Davis Maddock. Right now, I am joined by my friend Patrick Corain from NBC Sports Edge, and uh, our topic right now is guys we are not taking. Normally when uh, when Pat comes on the show, we talk about all these guys we love. You got to draft them. You got to get them. You got to trade your rookie picks for these guys. But I I do think when you start, you know, really piling up the best ball drafts, of which I am, I am deep in the streets right now, I think the guys you're not taking are almost a little bit more important. And uh, I, I think I have landed on a pretty controversial one, Pat. I'm I'm done taking Najee Harris. I I have been taking him. I have like a like I you know I have just as much Joe Mixon and Nick Chubb as I do Najee Harris. But uh, I I'm done. I am I am officially concerned about the offensive line. I'm officially concerned about Big Ben staying healthy, and I think it might be a lot of empty calorie volume. I think Najee Harris might be uh, potato chips and French onion dip of running backs this year. 
I'm sorry to hear you say that, not because I'm on Najee Harris, but uh, you're going to be telling people not to take Najee Harris now, which uh, is going to hurt me, someone who was never taking Najee Harris. Uh, I also have been have been publicly saying not to take Najee Harris. Uh, uh, on the Good Football Show, I mentioned you know him as a guy I was avoiding a few weeks ago, so I completely agree with you. I, I think not just the offensive line, but you know this is an offense that just doesn't look like it's going to be that explosive. Um, and he's not a big play guy. So if you if you don't have access to the long runs that we got, like out of Jonathan Taylor last year, for example, and, you know, he's not a huge playmaker in the passing game. He can do everything. He can run routes. He can catch. Uh, they're going to use him a lot as a receiver, but he's not probably going to make a ton of big plays there. Had a true lack of long runs in college. Uh, then he's probably going to be more of a function of that of that offense overall. And. You really want, with these running backs in the early rounds, the ability for them to put up huge seasons because that is the whole point of taking running backs in the early rounds. If you just want a guy who's going to score a good amount of points, you should be taking a wide receiver. Uh, It's the access to the legendary, you had to have this guy this year. That's why you're taking the running back. And I just have such a hard time imagining Najee Harris being that guy this year. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's where I'm at. You know, I, I for example, guys going after him, I would rather have Antonio Gibson feel more comfortable taking mm-hmm. him. Clyde Edwards Hilaire feel way more comfortable taking him. And then there's a huge gap between Najee Harris's ADP and DeAndre Swift's ADP. I, I would rather have Swift at his cost, even though Swift will have a lot of the same concerns, bad team, not going to score a lot of points, things like that. I, I feel more comfortable taking Swift at his cost. Uh, who is a high-profile guy, you know, first five rounds or so, that you are not taking at this point at cost? One guy's Nick Chubb, who I've never really taken, um, even though I think Nick Chubb is awesome. And he might be the best rusher in football, but he, he just he doesn't also have a path to becoming that guy, right? Like he, it's just such a rare, a, a, such a thin path for him to be, you know, the guy that you needed in 2021 to win your league, um, because he doesn't catch he doesn't catch the ball. So he's someone that I'm avoiding. And then after DeAndre Swift, I'm avoiding all the rest of the running backs for for a while because you know Chris Carson, Miles Sanders, J.K. Dobbins, uh, Mike Davis, Dave Montgomery, like these guys just don't have the ceiling that I feel like you need still in that range. Um, so those are those are guys that I'm avoiding. And then Josh Jacobs uh, is definitely someone I'm avoiding. I I was auto drafted a I had a draft that I signed up for, forgot about it, signed on to see the clock hitting zero and me selecting Josh Jacobs over Tyler Lockett. It was a tough scene. I do not want Josh Jacobs at all where he's going. Um, and I don't, I don't really understand why he's still going quite as high as he's going. So he's probably the biggest one for me of, of uh, you know, I got a little bit of exposure and I was, I was very upset about it. So I, I do want to say this about Josh Jacobs of all the running backs in the dead zone. I find him in these best ball drafts to be the one who most randomly will fall around or sometimes even two. I have I have taken already this summer in best ball drafts, I have taken Josh Jacobs in the sixth round. Um, because like at that point, you know, you're building a portfolio, 
you got to get exposure to some guys. Like, I, I am completely with you that where Josh Jacobs is going right now, you know, I'd rather have Cooper Cup, I'd rather have Tyler Lockett, rather have Jamar Chase. But when it gets down to would I rather have Kenny Galladay or Josh Jacobs, considering what you need to win these best ball tournaments, I, I think that conversation starts to shift a little bit. Uh, now, a guy I am not that I don't hate, in fact, my projections on sportsgrid.com actually have. Adam Thielen ahead of the market. He is going right now as the wide receiver 23, but I have him projected as the wide receiver 21. The problem is, in the middle of these drafts, you are often met with, do I want Adam Thielen or Cooper Cup? Do I want Adam Thielen or T. Higgins? Do I want Adam Thielen or Tyler Lockett? Even even Jamar Chase. Oftentimes you're on the clock and it's Adam Thielen or Jamar Chase. And so I have done, I think, I mean, I would guess 50 drafts up until this point, maybe even more than that. I don't believe I have taken Adam Thielen once. And I, I do think it's kind of a double counting things against him, right? Over 30, not a high volume passing offense, clearly not the top wide receiver option on his team. You know, Kirk Cousins actually, for what his projection is, is relatively expensive, like Justin Fields or Kirk Cousins. Well, Fields probably has way more spiked weeks, you know, going to have more rushing upside, things like that. So I just I don't hate Adam Thielen. In fact, my numbers like him, but I just I can never take him where he goes, it seems like. I agree. I, I don't think I've taken Adam Thielen either. He just doesn't have much excitement. And with wide receivers, you're not generally getting the same access to ceiling so you know a guy who projects well um you know locked into a solid role very talented player like adam Thielen does make sense um but yet i still have trouble generating the excitement needed to take him so i'm right there with you one guy in that same range that haven't been taking for similar reasons because i'm just excited about the guys around him but i think this one's worse and i need to correct it is alan robinson i haven't been taking him he goes a little bit higher, um, but, you know, it's like Allen Robinson or Terry McLaurin, Allen Robinson or CeeDee Lamb, Allen Robinson or Mari Cooper. I've been going Lamb, Cooper, and, and McLaurin every time. Every and, time. Yeah, and I think that's right, but at the same time, not having access to Robinson feels wrong because I think he could have a big season, sets you up for field stacks. So that's one that I've been sort of like implicitly avoiding without realizing it that I think uh, that I may need to – to change up. Yeah, and I have been in this spot actually with Allen Robinson, it feels, for like every year of his career because because when you look at it from a, a macro level, you're like, well, you know, that we don't know if the offense is going to be that good. There's going to be some Andy Dalton in there. You're still going to have to deal with the naggy factor. But then, I don't know, you kind of zoom in a little bit and you're like, do I really need to be taking you know, 70% of the time here, C.D. Lamb, which is like what I'm doing. Like C.D. Yeah. Lamb, you know how hard it is to have a third round player be your most drafted player? Like you really you really have to be getting in the weeds to do that. And that's where I'm at with C.D. Lamb right now. So I probably do need to try and dial that back just a little bit. Uh, a non-dead zone running back that I wanted to really like, who I just I cannot take at cost anymore only when he goes after, is Chase Edmonds. I, I want to love Chase Edmonds. I want Chase Edmonds to catch 80 passes. I want, you know, and Chase Edmonds last year, I believe he was the RB 18 in full PPR, even with Kenyon Drake doing his thing. Because well, he he also ran very hot on touchdowns last year, you know, scored some from like 25 yards out and things like that. But I I now am officially thinking 
James Conner is just going to be in the Kenyon Drake role because, well, for a lot of different reasons. One of the main reasons being when Chase Edmonds subbed out of his satellite back role and was just playing the lead back snaps, he just kind of looked remarkably like Kenyon Drake, which is to say not very good. Um, where are you at with Chase Edmonds? I'm completely with you on Chase Edmonds. I, I have taken him where he just fell and fell and fell, and he ended up being my my running back too um, on kind of a, a one elite running back build. But outside of that, I'm not targeting him at all, and I am targeting James Conner a ton. I think James Conner is potentially one of the best picks in the draft right now. He played on 85% of Pittsburgh's uh, running back snaps, uh, passing snaps last season. So, I mean, that's that's some workhorse level passing passing duties. Um, also, one of the reasons I'm not as excited about Najee is that, you know, Connor quietly did have a workhorse role in the passing game and still was not someone we wanted. But it also makes me a little bit worried about Edmonds because Drake, despite, you know, being a quick running back, a bit of an undersized running back, has never really been that big of a factor in the passing game at the NFL level. And Connor has. So Connor both has a threat to Edmonds' goal line work, which Edmonds has never gotten. And I think Connor will probably slide into that pretty easily, which is basically the Drake role, two down rushing plus goal line work. But I also think he's a bit of a threat to the receiving work that Edmonds really had a lock on over Drake. So I think Connor could basically become a lead back in this offense with Edmonds operating more like a change of pace and their ADPs tell the opposite story. So I think uh, Edmonds is quite a risky pick right now. Yeah. I, uh, I wanted to, I wanted to love chase Edmonds. I really did. Like I, I, you know, I have him on all these dynasty teams and everything and I'm so excited. I'm ready for him. And it just looks like it's not going to happen. And we're, we're about to head to break, but I just real quick wanted to mention Devonta Smith, Guy's going to ruin my season oh. if he goes off because I, I cannot possibly take him where he no goes. Exposure. Everyone, yeah, no exposure. Uh, everyone, we are going to run into break here real quick on Fantasy Sports Today. Please stay tuned to Sports Grid. Craig Mish will be returning with me next segment and we'll continue covering everything that you guys need to know about the fantasy sports world. See you guys on the other side of break. The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports today here on Sports Grid. Craig Mish along with Davis Maddock as we have afternoon baseball getting underway. And also, uh, Davis, some uh, unfortunate news as Lars Nootbaar 
not in the lineup today for the St. Louis Cardinals. So uh, pivoting all over the place, no doubt. Sorry to say that you said his name and you said it well, but not playing today. Yeah, I mean, absolutely brutal. What are we What are we doing here with no with no Lars Newbar in the lineup? We got it. I mean, what are we playing Edmundo Sosa? Are we playing? You know, what are we What are we do, What are we really doing here? We need more Newt Bar. The people demand Newt Bar, Craig. Well, I don't think they're going to get a lot of it because uh, Harrison Bader was just act- activated off the injured list, David. And Newt Bar, unless you're playing minor league DFS, may not be an option for you moving forward, unfortunately. Okay, let's uh, let's bring in Brett Levy as we close out our show for today and see what we got for uh, Fantasy or Reality. What's going on, Brett? Hey, Craig. Well, yesterday, Trey Young hit for the cycle. He's actually done that two other times in his career, so now he's hit for the cycle three times in his career, which is pretty impressive. Or is it? We're going to ask, uh, and Davis, we'll start with you. Hitting for the cycle is more luck than skill. Is this a fantasy or reality? So with, you know, with everything, there is a little bit, uh, there's a little bit of shade of gray here. Obviously, you have to be incredibly skilled in order to hit for the cycle. Single, double, triple, home run. The part of it where luck enters is triples. Because guys just don't really hit that many triples, right? It's it Basically, there are some ballparks where you can't even really hit triples. Like the way that they are laid out, the outfield is not deep enough. Now, there are also ballparks, uh, the Houston Astros, right? Minute Maid Park, going to be lots of triples there due to the weirdness of the outfield. The San Francisco Giants ballpark, I don't know if it's called Oracle or AT&T or whatever they're calling it out there these days. But they have that one corner in the outfield where if you hit it there, you're hitting a triple. Um, but, but by and large hitting for the cycle is totally skill. And I know that this has become kind of like a meme in the baseball community. Craig is like people, some people love the cycle. Some people are like, it's totally stupid. What's the point? Um, I, I always love it. And I specifically love Trey Turner hitting for the cycle and also swiping a bag in that game, by the way, if we're, if we're keeping track of these things, because Trey Turner is single-handedly trying to drag my NFBC main event team up the standings, and he is doing uh, a heck of a job. So I, I think it's more skill than luck, but you can't do it at every ballpark because triples are so hard to hit. Yeah, and it's funny because uh, Schwarber's getting so much in that things that Trey Turner does, which are great, don't get nearly the same amount, which is odd, but that's kind of the way baseball works. Yeah, hitting for the cycle definitely involves a lot of luck. There's no doubt about that because – as Davis mentioned, some of this is also park factor. It's easier to hit triples in some parks as opposed to others. But if I'm giving out a 100% pie chart and basically assigning a number, I probably would say in terms of skill, it's about 65% and unluck about 35% because you still have to execute that. And in general, most players that hit for the cycle end up being pretty good big league players. A home run on opening day, not as much. No hitter can happen for any pitcher on any given day. But in order to hit for the cycle, uh, you do have to be a little bit lucky. There's no question about that. But I, I do think skill outweighs luck in this factor. Uh, another part, too, that is you know interesting to mention is that in order to hit for the cycle, in general, you got to be quick because you got to leg out that triple. And some guys just won't be able to do it. Like how many catchers hit for the cycle? Not many. So uh, I will say... Uh, fantasy. I say more skill than luck. 
All right, well, on to our next one. We're going to talk about Bobby Bonilla Day because he gets paid today, and uh, I'm glad for him. He should always get his money, as, as much as money as he can get, get it. Uh, Davis was right. The deal is over the long haul somehow good for the Mets, something about an 8% interest rate, and uh, somehow they get some money back. I don't know. They got two pieces that helped them contend for a World Series title, so I'm not mad about it. But we got to ask about the Bobby Bonilla contract. Craig, we'll start with you. Bobby Bonilla has the best contract in the history of professional sports. Is this a fantasy or reality? It's the most fun contract in the history of professional sports by far. But it is not the best contract in professional sports. I mean, come on. Guys got as much money as Bobby Bonilla is getting between now and 2035 just for signing a sheet of paper. Ask Davis about his guy, Patrick Mahomes. He's got a better contract than Bobby Bonilla. But I would say, in general, this is the most fun contract. It happens every year on July the 1st. Uh, we all talk about it. And, yeah, there is that degree of poking fun at the Mets. There's no doubt about that. They also deferred a lot of contracts, uh, regardless of this contract, in the Madoff years, too. I know that for sure. Um, that was part of, of the Mets' thinking there, is they could just push off the money and then have to pay guys later. Bobby Bonilla has always taken this in stride and been pretty cool about it. He also works for uh, Major League Baseball's Players Association as well. As you could see, he's doing commercials for this. So, uh, look, uh, Bonilla was a trendsetter. He was a guy that made players think about deferrals and be comfortable doing it. Uh, and if I'm not mistaken, uh, Davis on the Marlins, Wei-Yin Chen, who hasn't pitched for them almost in two years, got $15 million yesterday for doing nothing, just for getting deferrals. Todd Helton is still getting paid by the Rockies. Ra uh, Rafael Soriano, I don't know if you remember him, relief pitcher, he's getting paid from the Washington Nationals. Uh, so I don't think it's the best but I do think it's the most fun to talk about, and it sort of started what I think lends more to the future, which is if you feel comfortable in your talent and you feel comfortable in terms of your wallet, you can take deferrals and get your money later on. But Davis, make no mistake about it, this, this is not for everyone. Every player is not going to agree to this. So I, I have the math. The Mets got a $5.9 million loan from Benia, payable at 6.6% .6 a year, which was payable for 25 years. So over the long run of the deal, it ends up being, I think, about $25 million is what Benia is getting paid back. But the prime rate back in 2000 was 9.3%. So Benia gave them a below market loan that actually allowed them, you know, to make the team better immediate you know, immediately, like in the intermediary, they were able to spend that money. So, uh, I mean, it was a contract, I guess, that worked out for the Mets. Got to be nice for Bonilla to open up his direct deposit and see a million dollars in there. Like, that's got to be fun for him. July 1st, million dollars. What am I going to buy? What am I going to do? We going on vacation. What are we doing? I also, I, uh, I wanted to tie up the trivia. Baseball catchers who have hit for the triple. There have mm -hmm. been less than 10 catchers who have hit a triple mm -hmm. or, or, or who have completed the cycle since 1945. Uh, there have been only three catchers who have hit for the cycle since the year 2000. Uh, wow. Names people might know, Charlie Fisk, uh, Jason Kendall, both of those guys hit for the cycle. 
as uh, as catchers. Joe Torre was playing first base the day he hit for the cycle, though. So there, a little bit of uh, baseball history for uh, for the fantasy sports today, folks. Gotcha. I assume that's Carlton Fisk, not Charlie Fisk. I don't think there is a correct, Charlie Fisk. Correct, Carl- correct, correct, correct. Oh, yes. Okay. Just making sure of that one. I see Brett is all happy with himself in the background that the Mets uh, made off real well, no pun intended, uh, with the Bobby Bonilla deal. But the other thing, too, Davis, I will say, and the reason why this never will happen again, the Mets can feel really good about themselves and they can really feel good about the financials. But remember who owns the Mets. It's Steve Cohen, who's got billions and billions of dollars. And Davis, what is it that we're missing in this equation from this deal? It's the optics. And the optics are bad. And it happens every year. And we talk about it every year. And if the Mets could go back and trade some of that financial flexibility for us not to talk about this every year, I think they may. So that's just something to keep in mind when you see the next deal that's deferred 50 years down the line. Anyway, Brett, let's close it out. All right. Well, our last one, uh, we are getting a series based on the movie A League of Their Own. Uh, The manager in this series is going to be Nick Offerman from uh, Parks and Recs and many other things. But we got to ask, and Davis, we'll start with you. You will watch A League of Their Own series on Amazon. Uh, Is this a fantasy or reality? Uh, well, you guys already know, haven't seen the movie, but I'm open to watching this because Nick Offerman's really funny. Nick Offerman yeah. is, is a legitimately, and he's also like in real life, he, he like does loads of uh, philanthropy, volunteers his time. He's like a, he's like a, a very good all around human being and he's very funny. So I, maybe I will, maybe I will watch it just because I enjoy Nick Offerman. But you guys already knew starting this discussion, we were going to come to it, and I was going to tell you I've never seen a league of their own. Yeah, very, very, very popular baseball movie, no doubt, but uh, one from a long time ago for sure. I'm going to say this is a fantasy. I'm probably not going to watch this, but again, I hate to do this every single time we talk about stuff. But this this falls under the category of someone else is going to see it before me. I'm going to hear about it. And if it sounds good, Davis, then I'm going to watch it. Like, I was not among the first or second or third people to watch Ted Lasso. As a matter of fact, I thought it looked bad. Like, I was like, I will never watch this, even though I like the actors and I like the people in it and I liked uh, Jason Sudeikis. Uh, but everyone said t- Ted Lasso was good. So naturally, at that point, I'm like, well, I must be missing out on something. I'm going to watch it. And you know what? They were right. That Ted Lasso is not just good. It's a great show. So, Davis, this show in particular, for me, is going to fall into that category. Now, I may not wait five months to watch Ted Lasso like I did uh, this past year. But if if people say it's good and it has good reviews, then I'll give it a try. And I don't know if that says more about me than anything else, but this is under that Craig Mish category of I'm going to wait for a review. People say it's good. I jump in. I mean, that's just like, uh, I just feel like that's good process. Because, you know, there is, there's so much crap out there. Like, let's just be honest. Right. Like, there is, I you could sign up for the most smallest, weirdest, 
streaming service that has like 300,000 paying customers and you could have entertainment for the rest of the year. You could you could watch everything on that streaming service, never have to rewatch anything. And then you add that on top of the things like you already like. Like I watch The Simpsons, like just if it's on, I'm going to watch it. Uh, even season 32 or whatever. I have podcasts that I listen to, right? I have like five or six podcasts that every episode that comes out, I listen to it doing whatever. And so like you have your your normal media, your 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 average media that you consume. And some of us even read books. I, I try, you know, I, I read I read books too. So you add that on. It's like, I don't know, do I need to watch a League of My Own's TV series with Nick Offerman? You know, I, I probably don't need to if it's on whatever, but like it's it's not something that I am going to uh, change my day around to make sure I get to it. Understood. And again, I, I think that's that's part of everything right now. We do have a lot of choices, unlike one year ago today. So why not make the most of those choices? I think that makes sense. Okay, the Sports Grid 60 is coming your way next right here on Fantasy Sports Today. And as a quick programming reminder, tomorrow at noon Eastern, Davis and I are going to run through every single season win total in the NFL over on FanDuel and give you some opinions on the over-unders as well as some on the NFL MVP and Rookie of the Year. Got a lot in store for you this weekend here in this July 4th weekend, so make sure you stay with us and stay on the grid. But we come back and wrap up our show here for July the 1st and after this. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today here on Sports Grid. Craig Nish and Davis Maddock. Davis and I tomorrow will have our NFL season total win preview, so make sure you tune in to that show. Also, July 4th weekend is coming up. Hopefully you guys will be very safe. want to make sure that I emphasize that. If fireworks are back in your city, make sure you exercise caution. Let's turn it over to Davis. He's got the Sports Grid 60. Davis, what do you got? So, you know, a lot of the time we, well, not a lot of the time, but sometimes we end fantasy or reality talking about something with streaming or something with TV or movies. And you know what I was kind of just thinking is 10 years ago, 15 years ago, you rewatched a lot of things. Like when you knew something that you liked, you just rewatched it a ton because, you know, you didn't want to go to the video store. Nothing good was on TV. And those were kind of your options. Like, it's like, oh, check the VHSs or go to Blockbuster or see what's on TV. So, you know, when I was a kid, I remember I, I probably watched Wayne's World like 37 times. I, I honestly have maybe seen 
Jurassic Park over a hundred times in my life. Like I like honest to God, maybe have watched Jurassic Park a hundred times in my life. And like there was a, you kind of like 2010 to 2012, we were in that happy medium where you didn't have to rewatch anything. You could you you could there was always something on that you'd like to watch. Uh, but you weren't just limited by VHSs, and now we've gone too far the other way. Now we are there. We are so paralyzed by choice. What could you even watch? We are we are paralyzed by choice, Craig. Yeah, it is so true. I mean, uh, right now, I mean, I have the Fire Stick. That that's the first thing that I do every day. I rarely watch anything except for sports uh, on on regular television. Okay, we t- we've talked a lot of sports cards here as well, and as some people may know by now, PSA, Professional Sports Authenticator, opened up their uh, doors today for $200 a card. That's the low-end price. Reason why is because they have a backlog of millions of cards. So I know that people probably asking what I think about this. Am I happy? Am I sad? Um, I'm indifferent. I think I'm okay with it. I'm bummed that I still can't submit cards, but I'm happy they're working on getting my cards back to me. So we'll see what happens in September or August. That'll do it for the show. Thanks to James, also Connell over at LTN. Thank you to Brett, Danny, and Ryan for my co-host, Davis Maddock. I'm Craig Mish. We'll see you tomorrow here on Fantasy Sports Today. Have a great Thursday. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.